0: Welcome back to NL Newsday. Now, of course, it's Monday, the first day of the work week. So, as always, pleased to welcome to the show Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee. Kyla, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thanks, as always, for the time. Now, uh, let's start with this issue around quarantine hotels. So an injunction application against quarantine hotels was actually dismissed today. Um, It was asking the court to stop the government from requiring people who return to Canada by plane to have to quarantine at their own expense in an approved hotel while waiting for COVID-19 test results. It was alleging that the quarantine rules violate their fundamental human rights under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So in a nutshell, I guess the challenge wasn't necessarily around the need to quarantine or the need for a test, but basically having to do so in an approved hotel and having to do so at their own expense. Now, I guess, Kyla, first and foremost, maybe just the overall reaction to this ruling. Probably not surprised that the judge dismissed this injunction, and um, you know is continuing to say that you know people returning to Canada by plane, you got to stay in one of these approved hotels.
1: This is not surprising at all. Uh, I think the the injunction was certainly a long shot. Um, You know, the thrust of the argument here is on whether those rules ultimately are constitutional, but to get the government to put the rules on hold when we know that they're certainly going to reduce the possibility of people actually breaking their quarantine and going out and spreading COVID um, is clear on their face. Getting an injunction to put them on hold was a real big uphill battle.
0: Yeah, I mean, was there any part of this that you can kind of look at and say, yeah, these are violations of human rights? I mean, one of the things that was written in the uh, in the ruling was that the current rules are rooted in science and that people arriving in Canada by air and by car pose different risks and therefore can have different rules surrounding what they must do in returning to Canada, and also went on to talk about how... Uh, you know, traveling abroad during the pandemic, um, you choose to do that, basically, and uh, the, the the concerns about costs coming out of your own pocket, those are first-world problems, economic problems, and are principally money issues that barely raise any discernible constitutional concern. I guess, is there any part of any of this where you can kind of look at and say this is a violation of, of uh, charter rights? Or, I mean, I, I don't really see it, so I'm curious if you see anything there that uh, potentially could even be argued more effectively, I guess, than it was in this case
1: and not on the way that the judgment is written with injunctions, you often don't get an idea of which way the court might ultimately lean on the the ultimate question and issue. But this judgment really leaves no room for doubt. The court's not going to entertain the idea that these are violations of your rights. You don't have a right to return to Canada by air travel. You have the right to be led into the country if you are a Canadian citizen. But that's about where the rights end. Once you're in the country, there can be restrictions. If they're grounded in science, they serve a public purpose placed on your ability to travel freely throughout the country. So There's really, in in my opinion, no constitutional violation here. Um, And it really does sound like a bunch of complaints raised by people who don't want to spend more money after going on their vacations.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I I don't disagree with them not wanting to pay more money after returning from a vacation. But as uh, is pretty well known, you shouldn't be traveling at all if you don't have to. And that's. Pretty much the fundamental thing that's at play here, right, is most of these people who are probably involved in this injunction um, are people who, you know, took a vacation, something they didn't have to do but chose to do so anyway. Is there any ever any concern when you see a judge making a ruling on a case like this that is, you know, really Surrounding science, I mean, judges are not scientists, but they kind of have to make the case or or try to understand what the scientific arguments are at play. I wonder if there's ever any concern about, uh, you know, trying to make a scientific judgment from someone who's a legal expert.
1: There are, and that's why the court hears from experts who tender their evidence to support their side of the scientific argument. Um, One of the problems for the people bringing this application in this case is that they didn't really have a lot of scientific evidence what they had was anecdotal social media evidence that tended to suggest that there wasn't that much spread or that that there wasn't problems with people not quarantining at home. Um, And the court rejected all of that as being not grounded in actual science and not grounded in the actual data that was collected by the people who are responsible for monitoring these types of things.
0: So you talk about social media evidence. I mean, that sounds pretty difficult to put into actual arguments in court is to say i got this off of whatever social media site and therefore it must be true is this something that comes up more frequently these days are you seeing more people try to put forth evidence from i don't know i guess articles and things they read on social media
1: well, this does happen a lot people now you know because of the prevalence of social media and the way that we kind of trust the authorities that are cited on social media without you know you You click a link and and you don't know that it's coming from a legitimate news source. Um, It might be coming from a a, a website that is run by people who want to make it look like legitimate news, but it isn't. Um, There's big problems with that. And a lot of people now don't think critically about the things that they see on social media. But a judge's job is to think critically about all of the evidence that comes before them. So the sort of social media stuff that might fool the general public does not generally get past judges in court unless it is supported by other extrinsic scientific or expert evidence to confirm
0: its veracity. So you probably don't see too many lawyers actually, you know, accepting any of that kind of information as real arguments, or or does that happen more than I would think?
1: I mean, it does happen, especially if you have nothing else you know, to support your position, then go to social media and mine for the information that you want from social media. Uh, at, At the end of the day, you're trying to make a case for your client as best as you can. And so whatever evidence you can get to support your position is better than no evidence at all
0: interesting well uh, appreciate that comment and i guess yeah like you said better than nothing right so here with acumen laws kyla lee uh, i did want to switch gears here a little bit um uh, you know people who if they return to canada you got to quarantine in one of those approved hotels while you await test results it's pretty straightforward so if you don't want to pay the extra you know two grand or whatever it costs uh maybe just don't leave the country in the first place now uh, a different issue here a bc father who won't stop discussing opposition to his child's gender transition was taken into custody pending a court decision. Uh, Justice Michael Tamman said the father has continually breached court orders banning him from revealing the identities of his child, his former wife, and medical professionals engaged in his child's transgender treatment. And the judge said that the uh, actions of this father violate the privacy rights of his child. And the judge also said there is risk of psychological harm towards the child because of the violation. So I guess really the big issue at play is how much is a father um, allowed to sort of speak out publicly uh, about concerns with their children? Obviously the big issue at play, right? Is revealing the identity of the child and causing, um, you know, additional harms as a result of, of, exposing the ID. So what is sort of the limit on being allowed to speak about your own child?
1: Well, I think the limit is generally drawn in these cases where speaking out about your own child has the potential to on the evidence cause them harm, whether it's reputational harm, whether it's emotional harm by repeatedly and willfully misgendering your child, uh, whether it's harm by exposing their identity when they're at a greater risk of violence and torment as a result of being transgendered, if there's a realistic risk that talking about your child's case is going to cause them harm, then you shouldn't be talking about your child's case. Your role as a parent is to protect your child, not to subject them to ridicule and to expose them publicly so that they can be ridiculed by thousands of people who don't agree with mm-hmm. with people. Being who they truly are,
0: right? Uh, and I guess when, when in this particular case, right, this this man was put behind bars um, as, while while waiting for uh, a court decision here, and it was basically said that uh, by the lawyer who was representing the father in this case, saying that you know they shouldn't have to be put in jail. Um, they should be able to go about being able to remove some of the alleged violations that they have posted on on social media. Um, but the judge basically said they had enough time to deal with this. And, you know, I guess they've continued to speak out publicly against their child's transition here. And that is the reason that it was sort of like a last ditch effort to stop this guy from speaking out was saying, hey, you're going to keep doing it if we let you go home. So that's why we're putting you in jail. And that's is that sort of how you read this as well?
1: The background here is is really important to understand. I mean, as a parent, if you speak out and there's a possibility that, you know, your child could be harmed by that, you're not going to be put in jail right away for that. Um, you're going to be, you know, politely reminded to protect your child's confidentiality. Um, and if you don't listen to that, the court is going to make orders to require you to protect your child's confidentiality. And if you don't comply with those orders, the court is going to make more specific orders to particularly limit certain activities that you are engaged in. In this case this father has been involved in litigation for years involving this child um, and has repeatedly been violating court orders that have become more specific and more demanding of him to not do the things that he has nevertheless continued to engage in so this is an option of last resort this father has had every opportunity to just do nothing that's all the court is asking him to Mm do is not do anything other than continue to participate in the litigation, but he refuses. And so he's going to be punished.
0: Yeah, no, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. And, uh, you know, maybe when you're talking about issues related to your child, you should deal with your child and not try to spew uh, whatever your thoughts and beliefs are out to the public in relation to the issue. But anyways, it's an interesting case and one that I think people can learn from here moving forward. Hopefully we don't see too many fathers and mothers out there who are taking these kinds of actions, but uh, nonetheless, a lesson to be learned here. I think that's all for today, Kyla. I always appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll do it again soon.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. As always, Acumen Laws, Kyla Lee joins me every Monday here on Newsday, usually around this uh, 5.30 time slot. So always appreciate having her on the show. Lots of good insight in that whole issue around the uh, injunction application around COVID hotels. I mean, I'm not surprised someone would try to challenge that issue and say, I want to stay in quarantine at home and not be stuck in an approved accommodation. I totally understand where they're coming from, and I would feel the same way if I went and traveled abroad and had to come home and then was told I had to go pay another two grand to go stay in a hotel and sit around and wait for a COVID-19 test to come back negative before they would let me go home. Definitely understand the issue, uh, but nonetheless didn't seem to have a whole lot of legs as uh, the judge who made the decision to dismiss that application injunction said uh, the government's rules are based in science and uh, not so with the opposition. Not a lot of science in their arguments.